As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see. Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner. This is Thursday night. I can't believe it's already Thursday. Denise, hi. Thank you, Rick. Joel, Paul. Thank you. You guys, have you noticed that Joel wears a white shirt every single night? It makes him look so serious. Well, I have an opinion about that. What is it? Well, because I've been married to you for almost four decades, and I've seen you wear a lot of black in your life. But I quit wearing black. Well, that's true. That's true, and I'm really happy about that. But when you wore black, it was kind of like, well, that you don't know that you're not wearing the same thing all the time because you're just wearing black. And so that's what I was thinking about you, Joe. Well, those are very good thoughts. You're I wear white because white. I think it's simple, and I think it's nice. Tonight, guys, I want us to talk about strategies to reach your goal because we're talking about running a race, and we've already said that sometimes we get really fixated on the big goal and we forget that you have to have small goals to get to the big goal. Mm -hmm. And I use the example from Joshua chapter one, where God said to Joshua and to the children of Israel, I'm giving all this land to you. I say that's like a charismatic promise where we say, amen, it's all of ours. But you know what? God promises it to you if you'll do the next part of the verse. God said, I'm giving all this land to you now, they could have just stopped there and said, amen, amen, amen. Then he added, every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you. I'm going to give it to you. I'll empower you to do it. But you have to take it one step at a time. You have to move your feet across the land. And you know what, guys? That's just like God. Think about it. God said, I'm going to give all this land to you. What would have happened if the children of Israel just instantaneously received all of that land? Well, the Bible says that the wild animals would have devoured them. They needed to move step by step. They wouldn't have known the problems. They wouldn't have known the resources. They wouldn't have known the giant. They would, they would not have been able to manage it. And, they and many times we want something that we're not able to manage. And therefore, God says, I'm going to give it to you. I'll give you the big goal, but it's going to be yours one step at a time. By the time the children of Israel walked across that land, they were the masters of that land. They knew every crook, every turn, every twist, every giant, every animal, every vine, every fruit, every field, every valley. They knew the whole thing because they had walked across the land and they were the masters of the land. And that's the way it is in our ministry. God didn't just say, I'm going to let you, you know, reach the ends of the earth. That's the goal, to reach our nearby world and the ends of the earth. That's our goal. But God says, let's, let's give it to you one step at a time. That's just the way that it works. And tonight we're going to talk about strategies to reach your goal, whether it's a ministry reaching the ends of the earth. God will do that, but you'll do it one step at a time. Or whether it is getting an education, might be one step at a time. Getting your finances under control, Oh, God will do that. God will abundantly bless you one step at a time. Losing weight, and I'm going to talk about losing weight, getting in shape because it's my testimony. You can do it all one step at a time. But let's go back to our verse in 1 Corinthians 9, 24. You guys ready? Mm -hmm. Yes, Paul. I'm ready. <laughs> know ye not that they which run in a race run all. Okay, we've already established tonight is the fourth home group on this subject. 
Paul says in this verse, we're all in some kind of a race. We saw from Ephesians 1, verse 4, God chose us before the foundation of the world. He ordained us. We know from John 15, verse 16, to go and to bring forth fruit. If you're not in movement, there's something wrong. Jesus said, I ordained you, first of all, to go. You're supposed to be in movement. God's always in movement. God is never stationary. Isn't that something? Mm -hmm. To bear fruit. We're supposed to be producing fruit with our lives. What kind of fruit are you producing? You might say, well, I just don't know how to get into that fruit producing season. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. But it says you're all in a race, but only one receives the prize. And then we have the attitude that we have to have to win. And God wants us to be winners. You know, Denise, I used to think that was just a carnal, motivational American way of thinking. Oh, everybody wants to be a winner. Everybody can't be a winner. But you know what? In God, everybody can be a winner. We can all be running the same race and all of us win because we're doing our part. We all win according to the part we were supposed to run. My part's different than yours. Look at us. We runners and Philip. Philip's not here. But all we runners, we're all running in the same race, but we all have different parts. We can all win. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing? That's awesome. That's right. But it says only one receives the prize, so run that you may what? Obtain. Obtain. God wants us to obtain. And this verse says the prize. There's a prize waiting for you. I want to say one more thing if I can. Yeah. If I run Paul's race, I don't think that would be a very good idea. Mm-hmm. If I ran Philip's race, my other brother, I don't think that would be a very good idea. I need to run my race. I need to, re- I need to do what I need to do. And that is my race I'm running, and I need to run like, like I need to win because I can definitely win that race. And don't compare yourself to other runners. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was younger, your mother remembers, you guys don't remember, but I was always intimidated by other Bible teachers. Mm-hmm. And I would think, I can't walk like them. I don't talk like them. I'm not <clears> like <throat> them. And I always kind of diminished myself. And one day I realized, you know what? I'm in my own niche. Mm-hmm. They're not like me. That's right. I'm not in competition with any of them. The goal is to shine the way that God made you. Yeah. We're all, we all have a different grace. We all sparkle differently. We're in symphony, but we're running our own races. But look at 1 Corinthians 9.25. Listen to this. Here's what I want you to get tonight. And every man that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we, an incorruptible. The word corruptible really portrays the award that was given to the runners at the Isthmian Games. Now, here's what's amazing to me. Here these guys train and train and train and train and train. Finally, the big day comes. They run, they win, and guess what they get? A crown of laurel leaves, oak leaves, and laurel. That's it. They did all of that for a crown that's going to perish. As soon as the sun comes up, it's going to wither that crown. But we have an incorruptible crown. We have something we can really go for, and it's going to endure forever. But to get that incorruptible crown, this verse says they strove for the mastery. The word strove is from the Greek word agonizomai, from the word agony. The tense pictures a continuous agony, hence those that are agonizing to get the crown. It is an intense conflict or contest, a struggle, a great, great exertion or effort. 
It conveys anguish, pain, distress, conflict, comes from the word agon. The word agon depicts the athletic conflicts and competitions in the ancient world where wrestlers threw each other to the mat, trying to get the superiority over another. And figuratively, it was used to describe a struggle of the human will. Now we find that even for athletes, Paul's using the example of athletes. Even athletes have moments when they say, I don't want to train. I don't want to do that today. They have to deal with their flesh. They have to deal with their mind. And Paul says, every man striving for the mastery, by the way, the word mastery describes those who've decided to go for the gold. Those who decide they're going to really go for a reward. They've got to go through agony to get there. Not because God creates agony, just because you've got to deal with yourself. Somebody asked me one time, Rick, what's the greatest enemy you've ever faced in life? I said, me. <laughs> they said, you? I said, the devil's easy. <laughs> He's easy. I'm the big challenge. If I can master me, I can master anything. And that's what Paul is saying in this verse, Denise. When you said the word agony, Rick, I, I thought about Jesus in Gethsemane. I mean, there was no greater prize. It's the Greek word agonia. That's yeah. the very word used there. There was no greater prize. There was no greater struggle than the one that he was paying and striving through in, the, in Gethsemane. And it's clear in Scripture. He said, I don't want to do this. And he said it three times. But then he said, but Lord, I'll do your will. And he is our example of taking a hold of those difficult days, those difficult times, and saying, Lord, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it. And because the power of God is in us mm -hmm. to grab a hold of that assignment mm -hmm. and to say, I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I want us to see something else in verse 25. It says, every man that strives for the mastery. So here we're depicting somebody really going for the mastery, going for the goal, going for reward, and the word agony is used here. Just got to deal with you to get there. And Paul says they are temperate in all things. That word temperate is the Greek word in kratomai. The word in combined with the word kratos, in means in, kratos is the word power. This word temperate means to be in power or in your own power or to be in control. It's self-control. Mm. It denotes power over one's self. Listen to this. To exercise self-dominion. Remember what I said a while ago, if I can master me, I can master anything. To exercise self-dominion. It's amazing. How many people cannot practice self-dominion? The Bible says he who exercises authority over himself is mightier than him that takes a city. That's how hard it is to master yourself. It can be translated as self-control, the control or restraint of one's passions, appetites, and desires. It is the word for restraint, moderation, discipline, balance, temperance, or self-control. And it's the very word listed as temperance in Galatians 5, verse 23, as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Temperance, self-domination, self-control. It says, if you want to go for the gold, 
then you have to be willing to go through the agony of dealing with yourself. And part of dealing with yourself is learning to exercise self-dominion, self-restraint. Now I want to give my testimony because we're talking about meeting <clears throat> goals. There are great big eternal goals. Then there are short-term goals, temporal goals. And for me, a goal several years ago was to lose weight. Mm-hmm. I had gained so much weight. I was over 300 pounds. I don't know if I've ever physically, verbally said that, but I was well over 300 pounds. I'm not going to say how much. That's bad enough already. And just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Sitting on the couch, eating wrong, everything wrong, draping myself in black clothes, trying to hide my size. And you know, there's a bad thing about when you get big because your eyes adjust to what you see and you don't realize how big you are. You don't see what other people see. When I look back now at my photos, I'm stunned at how large I was. I didn't know that back then. I did not see it because I had grown accustomed to my image. But the day came when a decision was made that I was going to lose weight. And I'm going to tell you the truth. My family helped me make the decision. They just said, it's time for you to take control. Praise God my family helped me. If somebody's trying to help you, you may not appreciate it at the moment, but you will later. Well, I wasn't going to be 100 pounds lighter the next day. I had to start. I had to start moving. We had to go. Punch the button, we're starting. It's time for me to quit talking about it. It was time for me to bear fruit. Talk is the cheapest, easiest thing in the world to do. Jesus is after action. Mm -hmm. He's after fruit. So we developed a strategy for me to begin to exercise self-dominion. If I had had a goal to be 100 pounds lighter in a month, it wouldn't have been realistic. It wouldn't have even been possible. I had to start where I was. And I had to start saying no to me, and I have to tell you, it was agonizing. And I didn't just need to lose weight. I needed to get in shape physically. I needed to start exercising. And to me, the word exercise had always been a four-letter word. I didn't like the word exercise, didn't like anything about exercise, didn't want anything to do with exercise. So not only was I large, but I was really in bad shape physically. And guess what happens, guys? When you don't... When you don't exercise, I'm I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know, but when you don't exercise self-dominion, things begin to spin out of control. Mm -hmm. I began to fall. I was deteriorating. I didn't have energy. And I was being knocked out of the race. I was being eliminated. But it was me. I was eliminating me because I was not practicing self-dominion. Was the devil at work? 100%. 100% he was trying to destroy me, and I was cooperating with him by not taking care of me. So we begin to set short-range goals for me to experience self-dominion, self-mastery, one goal at a time. And I remember when I began to exercise, the man who was helping me He said, Rick, I want you to do five push-ups. Well, that may not sound like much to you, but for me, that was really a big deal, especially because of my size. That was a big deal. 
A week later, he had me doing 10. Three weeks later, he had me doing 15, and he told me not to do more than 15. He said, you just stay right there, do that every day. Do it in the morning, do it in the evening. 15 in the morning, 15 in the evening. And I began physically building my stamina, and I began losing weight. Denise and I were working on it together. She was helping me, and the weight began to come off of me. And today, it's a different picture. Mm-hmm. Totally different picture. I do 100 push-ups every day. My weight is exactly where it needs to be. It's been here for almost four years now. But it came because I made a decision to practice self-dominion one step at a time. I wanted to have mastery over this in my life. Now, I'm only using that example because I want you to have something practical to understand and because I know some of you are needing to do the same thing. If you've got a goal that is so giant, first of all, you're not going to reach it by next month. Start slower. Tone it down. Do something that's manageable, something you can really do. It's like God told the children of Israel, I'll give it all to you, but you've got to take it one step at a time. Make some baby steps that you can make And when you take one, then you'll take the next and the next and the next and the next, and eventually you'll be standing in your victory. Now, that's about weight and about physical exercise. The same thing applies to your finances. If your finances are all messed up, you need to start giving. God promises that if you give, He'll give to you again. That is a promise of Scripture. But if you've made a royal mess out of your finances, it is not likely that they're going to all be in shape by next month. That's probably just a hallucination. You need to start taking steps. And those steps can be agonizomai. They can be agony because it means you're going to have to say no to some things that you're not accustomed to say no to. You have to change your spending habits. You have to change your eating habits, change your restaurant habits. Agonizomai, striving for the mastery. That's the Greek word. But it says you're not going to reach the goal unless you are temperate in all things. And what I've learned is when you become temperate or you begin to practice self-dominion in your emotions, in your eating habits, in your thinking, in your exercise, when you begin to practice self-dominion in all of your life, you begin to gain Massive territory. Massive territory. If you wobble in one area, it has a way of seeping into the other areas. It has to be a goal to practice self-dominion, what the Bible calls temperance. Let your self-dominion seep into all of your areas. This verse says, if you want to really be rewarded, it's going to be agonizing to get there, but you can do it. You'll have to learn to practice restraint, self-control, self-dominion. This verse says, in all things. It has to become your way of living. Denise? I'm listening so intently to what you're saying. I just want to say that the Holy Spirit, He is there to help you in that agony. Oh, He'll help you. If you say, Holy Spirit, help me. He is there right away to Mm -hmm. help you. I want to say, I can't remember who said this, but they said people overestimate what they can do in a year 
and underestimate what they could do in 10 years. And I think that's the truth. You know, Dad, you were just talking about doing 10 push-ups, 5 push-ups. But look four years later where you are. It's a huge difference. And one thing that's very interesting is when you put order in one area of your life, area order goes into other areas of your life. It does. It's, it's, it's very interesting, that domino effect that can happen in other areas. If you put order in one area of your life, you see yourself differently and you can realize, I need to work on other areas as well. And I, th I think it's wonderful whenever you bring order in one area of life, it brings order into your friend's life, your family's life. Years, Dad, because you lost weight, years were added to your life. Yeah, they were. And that means so much more family was added to our life. And it's it's the truth. And I just want to say thank you for oh. taking care of yourself. Well, thank you for praying for me and encouraging me. You can do it too. But let's look at the next verse, 1 Corinthians nine twenty six. Paul says, I therefore so run not as uncertainly, so fight I not as one that beats the air. When he says, I therefore so run, in Greek the word I is the word ego. Hey guys, this is really important. It's the word for I. It's like he's screaming, I, me, 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 me. This is important because he's been telling everybody else what to do. Run, run with all of your might. Run that you may obtain, run, jump in the race, move your feet, go for the gold, exercise self-restraint, self-dominion. And then in verse six, he says, hey, by the way, it's what I'm doing. Which means he's not preaching at the choir, he's in the choir, he is one of them. He says, I therefore, therefore means accordingly, indeed right now, in the very same way, this is my logical response to everything I've said to you, I'm doing the very same thing, I therefore so run. The word run, the Greek word treko, which pictures again, somebody that is making a dash for it. <clears throat> They're moving their feet as fast as they can. They are flying Paul says, I'm giving it everything I've got. And then he adds, not as uncertainly. The Greek word adelos. <laughs> the word adelos means uncertainly, aimlessly, aimlessly, without direction, having no plan, no aim. Which means if you have no plan, you're planning to fail. Mm-hmm. Paul says, you're not going to meet any goal without a plan. He said, I'm running, I'm making a dash for it, but not without a plan. Not aimlessly. Not just wandering here. Not just trying this and trying this and trying this. Paul is working according to a plan. He has a strategy. Paul? We must be intentional about the things we do. We've used that word a lot here in the home group, be intentional. We've said it out loud, be intentional, be intentional. And uh, just a little bit earlier today, we're also talking about how sometimes culture affects the way we do things, and sometimes we don't think very deep. So I'd like to add a few things. Be intentional, think deep, and be determined. <laughs> if you know what you're supposed to do, think about it and do it, and don't let anything distract you from it. Don't let yourself stop you don't how, to, how does that work right don't let yourself distract yourself i don't think that sounds very well but that's true <laughs> but that's the way it works you must be intentional and we're talking about more than things that we just simply want now there are a lot of people that have desire and they're very intentional about getting what they want 
We're talking about what God has prepared for you, the race that God has set you on. So this is more than, I want this because I want this. You should want this because this is what God wants for you. There's an extra element there. It's more than just your own personal desire. There's a sense of purpose there. There are a lot of people that do amazing things. I have a few friends right now that are running marathons. I think, how did they do that? How do they run 42 kilometers? How do they run a marathon? It's so difficult to do that. But they have a plan. And they watch their heart rate. And they watch their breathing. And they know when they're doing good. And they know, and they know when they're doing better. And they know when they haven't done good enough. And they know how to push themselves. Mm -hmm. It takes so much discipline. And they're just doing that because they want to do that. They're putting themselves through all of this just because that's the goal they set. But there's a goal that God set before you. And if it's something that God set before you, it's your purpose in life, I think it's worth a little bit of agony, or perhaps a lot of agony, to get there. You know, the agony is temporary. It's just the way to victory. The sweet taste of victory. You just got to deal with yourself to get there. Mm -hmm. But I want to look at the rest of this verse. Paul says, So fight I, not as one that beateth the air. What in the world does that mean? So fight I, not as one that beateth the air. Well, we're going to find out tomorrow night. We're going to wrap it up tomorrow night. You don't want to be one that just beats the air. No, no, no. You need to run with a purpose, with direction, with a strategy. And if you need somebody to pray with you, please write us prayer at renner.org or call us 1-800-742-5593. We'll pray with you. But we're out of time. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed that teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.